Hurt Evangelists, hear me. I'd like to thank everybody again, uh, all the tithers, but in particular, somebody with the initials JS. Uh, you obviously know who you are because they're your initials. But that person donated not a small sum to the show, and it came through today. It was very exciting, and I took the lady friend out and treated her to a dinner on on you, really? And that made our day. It was it was lovely. We had a great night. And there's, there's two types of people who keep this show going. There's the very generous tithers who put up with my nonsense at the beginning and my silly ads and so forth, and they go to herdmentalitypodcast.com slash support, and they donate a couple of dollars or five dollars a month to help keep the show going. And the other type of person is... Well, it's Ray Comfort, and it's Deepak Chopra, and it's all the woo, all the all the Pastor John Hagees, all the Joel Osteens, all of these guys who, they don't contribute financially, they contribute, hmm, comically, and for that I thank them. And I know they listen in, so Ray, Deepak, uh, Joel, thank you very much for your comedic support. Appreciate it. Now, let's go and have a chat with some people who are funnier than I am. Welcome to The Herd Mentality, an eclectic weekly mix of atheistic and humanistic conversations with complete strangers. I've never met them and they've never met me, but we're throwing caution to the wind, taking a risk with a dodgy internet connection, and God willing, get an interesting conversation for you to listen to. I'm your host, Questionable Adam, at Adam Reeks on Twitter, and it's time to meet our guests. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Herd Mentality Podcast. Uh, with me today, I have an Australian comedian, an idol of mine, uh, Tim Ferguson. How are you, sir? I'm going very well, Adam. Fabulous. Rockin'. Rockin'. Okay. Well, well we can't have rockin' on the podcast. We might have to I, tone it down I'm, to boring if you could. I'm rocking backwards and forwards, muttering. You'll fit right in with Tom and Cecil from Cognitive Dissonance. Gentlemen, how are you? Hey. It's usually our audience that's muttering as they rock back and yeah. forth. You know? <laughs> I, I think our show is only played, you know, as a uh, in lieu of Twisted Sister to get despots out of uh, their hold-up compounds at this point. But <laughs> we're glad to be on your show, Adam. Thanks for having us. Your podcast is certainly the music of choice in padded cells from what i'm told <laughs> yeah i'm not sure there's a whole lot of choice involved in padded <laughs> cells actually we're definitely we're up there you know i mean it's it's either that or a um, muzak um and we're we're just like a shade more tolerable than muzak itself so we're not yet banned by the geneva convention <laughs> rightio and i thought you guys who better to get on to my third rate show to discuss how you make something that doesn't exist amusing this is something that's fascinated me for a very long time. And atheism is just that. It's it's not believing in a god. How do we make it funny? Well, I mean, the goal is to make people laugh, right? I mean, that that is actually the goal. I mean, it's, it's really nothing more, at least for, I think, Cecil and I. It's just, it's the jumping off. It's a starting point for us to have a conversation. We don't really have to do anything funny, uh, which is good, because we're just generally not. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but we'll, what we'll do is we'll find theists who do crazy shit. And it's easy. I mean, it's spectacularly easy. And we look for the stories. I mean, you look for, a, uh, you know, Klingerschmidt. And also skeptical stuff, too. I mean, last week we talked about those people who are drinking, like, cups full of warm virgin cow urine. I mean, that, right. that shit just writes itself. I mean, that, you don't really have to do anything. Just read the article. Well, Which is on. good, because that's the level of commitment I'm looking to right, bring exactly. to this program. <laughs> 
<laughs> you say that's amusing. I'm sitting here sipping on a beautiful fresh pint of fermented cow urine. Do the cows on your site give that? Is that what they... <laughs> scrawny-ass <laughs> fucking cows. cows on your site. <laughs> I struggled getting any fluids out of those guys. They are not American cows, that's for sure. <laughs> no. Good no. Lord. They're bone dry. I mean, so, that would, you'd only get maybe one, two Big Macs out of each one of yeah. those. <laughs> I mean, At best. That, that's some fucking Australian cattle right there. <laughs> Half a glue stick. So the, the topic itself isn't really funny. Finding people who talk about or, or do silly things, that's where the angle is. That's where you get to start people thinking on the topic. Now, hold on a second. Are you saying... I've got to get this right. Are you saying that only... The religious can believe in things that are totally nutbag, goofball, ratbag, put it in a box, tie it in a bow, and chuck it in the water, mad and stupid? <laughs> is that what you guys are trying to push on these poor listeners? Let me clear it up for you guys. The dumbest, the most airheaded, the most I-know-how-the-universe-works freaks I, that I know are all atheists, walk down the street, open up the door of your local naturopath. <laughs> there, you will find not only the naturopath, but wait a second, in the back, they have the tarot reader. Wow, and, and behind them, you will find the palm reader. And if you ask any of them, is there a God, they will all agree, no, there's not. In a voice of total unison, at least in church, everybody has to point and stand up, whereas naturopaths, tarot readers, and your average corner atheist will just do it independently. You know, I go to naturopaths just to have fun, and they will tell me to eat hookworms. Did you know hookworms are the latest health kick? If you digest hookworms, it'll do Christ, I don't know, something, but it's supposed to cure me of, uh, what have I got? Oh, multiple sclerosis. And, and if I ask them, do you believe in God, they'll say, oh, no. God is against such things. So you can sit back and relax, Adam. Atheists are way funnier because they have no idea that they're ridiculous. That's a valid point. What are your thoughts, fellas? That, yeah, well, I think that's very different in the States. All those characters you mentioned tend to be... Religious. I think this is a cultural difference. Yeah, they're, they're very religious, <laughs> you know? They're crazy religious. Like yeah, everybody's look at religious. Brown. In look at the lady on TV, the Oompa Loompa lady, who's talking about God and passing over and all that. All the psychics on the TV here are all religious. They're all pushing Christianity. Are they oh. pushing hookworms? Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying. I don't think. And the other thing too, I don't think we're saying that all Christians say stupid shit or that the only thing that gets said stupid is by a Christian or somebody who believes in God. I don't think we're saying that at all. I just say oh, no. there's an easy target out there to match, and they are. there's some very funny stuff. We also cover skeptical stuff. This last week we had a tarot reading on our show as a joke. That was with no illusions, was it not? It was, yes, and he did an awesome job. Like, he killed that fucking tarot reading. It was It was hilarious. It it felt like the sort of bullshit that other people would just, generally speaking, pay for. Um, you know, our, our show isn't just atheists, but I mean, we, we certainly aggressively pursue that angle. And I think we pursue that angle because it's it's important to us. I think, you know, atheism itself, if you're just going to talk about apologetics or, you know, anti-apologetics, I mean, that's that's not funny. You're not going to get a lot of humor out of like, well, let's talk. You got to talk about stories. You got to talk about people. People are inherently ridiculous. People are inherently hilarious. The human condition is one of general absurdity. We're constantly doing and saying and acting in crazy and bizarre ways. It doesn't take a whole lot of digging to find that kind of material. Not at all. So, you know, like if, when you say, like, 
Because atheism, it's not naturally funny. I mean, I disagree. It, it is naturally funny because atheism is a uh, reaction to theism, right? I mean, it is, I mean, it's not a reaction to, but it is uh, sort of the counterpoint to theism. And so what you end up with isn't a bunch of boring, stodgy ideas sitting alone in a room. You end up with people. And people do awesome shit when left to their own devices. Awesome and hilarious shit when left to their own devices. So what's amusing is how they come to their conclusions and make their decisions. No, it's not the train of thought, man. It's what they fucking do. I don't know, man. Cecil, our, our thoughts generally aren't really very funny, I don't think. No. No, it's... People do crazy shit, man. People commit... People do exorcisms in their house. They will decide their dog needs... I'm mean, fucking not even making this shit up. People will decide their fucking dog needs an exorcism. And they will, like, set their house on fire, giving their dog an exorcism. <laughs> right. I mean, this is, like, people do crazy, awesome shit. It's, it's, it's crazy theist Petrix at some point, you know? And, I mean, you use that humor. You, you look at these stories because there's something broader that you're trying to get at, generally. But fuck ideas. Ideas are great. Ideas are wonderful. Let's sit and have a beer and, and smoke a cigar and talk about ideas. But if you want to get funny, we got to talk about people. Exactly. Who are the best subjects? Richard Dawkins is hilarious. <laughs> How, that okay. guy wrote a book called <laughs> The God Delusion, and I had to look inside it to find out what he was trying to sell me. Turns out he's not trying to sell me anything. He's sort of anti-selling, and he has these gives these speeches. There's always an edge of pomposity about them that I find irresistible, because one of the funniest things, Tom's right, is that you know it's all about people and what they do, but another layer is how serious people are about the ridiculous things that they're devoting their lives to. Richard Dawkins has devoted his life to, I don't know what, stopping people from, I don't know, going to church or agreeing about things that are painfully conflicting and silly. So he's uh, every day of his life getting up and doing something that he thinks is very important that obeys the comic principle of disproportionate values. Trivia being taken as enormously important and vice versa. Whereas probably his, his quest is, you know, low to middle range important. And it's not going to be successful either. It's just to make inner city middle class short filmmakers... <laughs> feel comfortable and give them something to talk about when they gather to drink their cafe latte. <laughs> make a podcast about. <laughs> right. To make a podcast about. That's right. Sure. How I'm do we... sipping a cafe fucking latte right now. <laughs> you just got to love it. Oh, yeah. Give me a good Richard Dawkins joke. Richard Dawkins walks into a bar and nobody talks to him. <laughs> well, that's... Um... Because you know what he's going to say. At least we're all unpredictable. Recently listened to a podcast by Brian Dunning and Joe Rogan. Have you heard of either of those guys? Yeah, Joe Rogan believes that we didn't land on the moon. That Joe Rogan. <laughs> right? Yeah. You get a whole bunch of petrol, you put it in the can, you put a couple of guys on the top, and you <laughs> shoot it up. And it is almost inevitable, a, uh, a space guy I was talking to, he said, it's almost inevitable if you go far out enough in orbit, the moon will draw you to it. It's hard to avoid the moon once you're up high enough. Sound logic. I can't argue with it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm actually pretty sure that's how they did it. I figure yeah. they just they just said, fuck it. We'll just shoot them near-ish yeah. the moon and hope for the best. That's. Yeah. I mean, it was a pretty tough sell to the astronauts because the astronauts <laughs> were hoping for a little more... 
They're like, the really? You're just going to shoot yeah. me just in the general direction of that? Route? And if, if you're wrong, I just spin off into the endless <laughs> void. Oh, yeah, that's that's pretty much what we do. We just shoot people <laughs> in the general direction of other objects <laughs> with the vague hope that eventually you might land. <laughs> NASA's oh, finest shit. technicians at work. They're all sitting there with just, the Diet Coke I'm and sure the menthos. It was actually only a 20-minute discussion to get the entire project. Right, they, just, they just wrote the plans up on the back of a fucking napkin. Are you kidding That's me? That's it. That <laughs> yeah. was it. They're just like, how much petrol? They're, they really just had to say, like, hey, how much petrol? Well, in America, they would call it gas, right? So they're like, how much gas? You know, do we need? And they're like, I don't know, fucking a shit ton. We, we run, <laughs> we run out. Who cares? <laughs> it's, it was not like there's a fucking filling station halfway up there. There's a it's, joke about, uh, which isn't really related, but the head of the Japanese Air Force at the end of the Second World War comes out to all of the pilots and says, men, I want you to go get in your planes, which have been filled up with dynamite. I want you to fly out over the Pacific and smash your planes into the American fleet, exploding the planes and sinking all the ships. You'll be called the Kamikaze. Now, are there any questions? And the little guy at the back says, are there any fucking questions? <laughs> <laughs> Tim, you've done a lot of work in the past. I was having a look through your DVD, or one of, the, one of your DVDs earlier today, and you sort of lampoon God or, or the different religious types a lot. Why did that topic stick out to you? Oh, well, I was working with a couple of guys, one of whom had been through 13 years of Catholic education and the other who regarded himself as a high Anglican. Whatever the hell that means. I mean, England's only so high. It's only got one hill. <laughs> and so uh, the subject matter was of interest. I had uh, studied all the other guys the Buddhists, the Hindus quite heavily and uh, used to go and make a lot of fun with the Scientologists. So it always, the delusion, as Dawkins might call it, has always fascinated me. Christopher Hitchens, I saw him give a, well, I saw his, you know, ghost give a speech the other day where he talked about <laughs> religious belief and he had a point when he said that as soon as someone believes something absolutely and without question, violence and conflict becomes inevitable. And violence and conflict are where uh, good narrative comedy live. So, uh, maybe not the violence, but certainly conflict. Oh, suicide bombers are hilarious! <laughs> oh, those guys, I mean... Hilarious! And Every are... joke ends with a bang! Yeah, yeah. Here's a picture of a girl. Do you want one? Oh. Yes, I do! Well, you'll get a girl, you get 70 of them after you've blown someone up. The thing I, that I like about the whole getting 76 virgins for blowing up a bus theory is that it's not so much that the guy is a virgin who can't talk to girls and all that stuff. The main thing is they haven't thought it through. Look at this way. You have eternity. That's a long time. You turn up on day one. You have sex with one of your virgins. The next day you do it again. You do it 76 times. And then for the rest of eternity, you are spending every day with 76 women or 75 women who know that you screwed one of the others. And then they realize <laughs> you screwed all of us. Now, women are very strong individuals and they've got principles when it comes to that sort of behavior. So that sort of heaven becomes very quickly a simple hell. And I think that's what Dawkins is trying to warn us about. Believing things on blind faith, 
It's no different with the suicide bomber as to what the Christian Catholic Church is selling to the rest of us. You know, you'll get to spend an eternity with your creator, not necessarily 76 or 72 or whatever it is, virgins. Oh, that's not true, Adam. The Catholic Church doesn't ask for blind faith. The Catholic Church has been uh, very open in accepting that faith is uh, a choice and faith lapses and faith is something that has to be struggled with on a daily basis. Whereas your more fundamental bus blower uppers uh, don't like to give their religion that kind of leeway. But the Catholics, when it comes to belief, they know it's tricky because, well, it is It is kind of a goofball theory. Tom, what are your thoughts on faith? The it- thing is, I mean, you either have faith, right, you know, or you don't have it. You can't, I, the, the whole, like, you know, well, Catholics will give you a little bit of leeway. Well, okay. Well, what does that fucking mean? I don't even. I don't. I honestly don't even know what that means. Well, yeah, you can have a little leeway on faith. What? It's a fucking are you pregnant or are you not pregnant question. <laughs> there either is a God or there's not a God, right? It's not. Maybe there's like oh, there's like a little God. Like it's like leprechauns. I mean, what the fuck is a little like? Well, maybe demigods. I don't know. I've got. I'm having a crisis of faith. But it's a crisis right. of faith is just uh, somebody being uncomfortable with admitting that they don't think there really is a god and they're concerned with the consequences of admitting that shit all right well let's plot along shall we uh i want to ask you about a couple of your comedic influences so who you think the funniest comedians are and why and perhaps what those comedians believe because i have a sneaking suspicion that uh, from an atheistic standpoint you can look at everything and say right nothing's off limits i can attack pretty much any belief and attempt to derive humor from it whereas i can't offhand i can't think of any well-known stand-up comedians who are christian or catholic or islamic can anyone think of any religious stand-up comics offhand well certainly they don't wear it on their t-shirts there are many jewish comics who will say you know i'm jewish every friday night i go see my mum and dad and we have a special feast there are plenty of uh, comics walking around who you know went to catholic school got the infection and are still trying to shake it off. But no comic that I know of who goes on stage as, you know, the the religious comic. Hey, get your good time religion and have some laughs. (laughs) There will be one out there somewhere. If there is, I can't say I've heard of him. Yeah, his his material's probably still wanting. (laughs) I don't know. What do you think, Tom, Cecil? Do you know any crazy religious comics? None come to mind. I think, you know, I mean, there's there's certainly people who put some religion into their comedy. I think Bill Cosby did some of that. Like, just a little bit, though. It's not It's not overarching. And I think there's another guy by the name of Steve Harvey. You guys probably have no idea who this is. He does this show called The Family Feud over here, and he was a comic for a while. And I know he's quite religious. He has a TV show, too. I think that lots of times it's making fun of the way they're in church. It's not, it's not making fun of church. It's making fun of how they act in church. A lot of people, especially, uh, especially people that go to, you know, churches that are not mainstream will say something. They, they will, they will make observation comedy about stuff like that. So I know I've heard routines like that, Hmm. but I can't say that there's been anybody that's like completely religious. What about those redneck comics, Cecil? Aren't they like, I think they're like, don't they play off of that trope, right? Sure. Play off of that Southern good old boy trope. And that, that's certainly, definitely, I mean, that, that's that's a religious, you know, down-home fucking cornbread and grits sort of a thing, you know? Like, it's a fucking Mack truck hat and a fucking John Deere thing and what have you. Like, that whole fucking shenanigans is all church-influenced. 
What what occurs to me though is that the reason you probably don't hear of Christian comedy is the same reason you probably can't name five Christian rock bands because they all suck, right? <laughs> it's like <clears throat> Christian comedy is like Christian rock. It's this watered down fucking diet lightweight bullshit. Hang on, um, hang on, isn't Dave Matthews Band the most successful Christian rock band in the world? <laughs> is he a Christian rock band? I don't listen to Dave Matthews. Yeah, is he a Christian either. rock artist? I don't. I can't back it up. I couldn't. Okay, give, I couldn't right. give he you might a be. I don't know. I, I'm not saying like a musician cannot be Christian, but like that specific fucking. That's that genre. I want to hold like, your hand and I've make love to Jesus stuff, stuff right? Yeah. Mm. yeah. Woo! Yeah. That boy trouble for that one. Right, like it, all that, like footprints in the sand, fucking rock music. Well, comedy you know. is supposed to be it. Oh, it's not supposed to be, but it's inherently going to offend because comedy asks questions and it asks them fearlessly and shamelessly. And uh, like Christopher Hitchens's argument, you know, as soon as someone says, "This is how the universe works," and don't question it, or I will kill you. Yeah, the com- the comedy's going to soften if you want. I <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine like a whole lot of comedy in in big parts of the Middle Eastern world. I mean, that's like a place where you fucking you click on like you click a like on Facebook on the wrong thing, <laughs> and you're going to be thrown in prison and lashed several hundred times. Went to jail for putting a comedy sketch on YouTube. They're in jail right now. Right. So they're not very interested in someone saying, "Hey, here's a funny thing." I think it's super probably, not hilarious. Yeah, it's super super not hilarious. What you would keep saying is, "Are you with me?" Just in a way, <laughs> just to check that they're still with you. Yeah, he's he's standing like at the fucking bars of his cell. Like, is this thing on? Hey, <laughs> <laughs> tip your prison guard. <laughs> am I right or am I right? Oh, I'm right. I, I apologize. I'm right, but I'm in prison. I used to think that there were no jokes in the Bible, and even gave a TED talk about that very thing. And since heard from a you know a lot of Jewish people who said, "Are you kidding? The Old Testament is full of wordplay. It's full of uh, like it's not a Seinfeld episode, but the idea, the metaphor of the camel passing through the eye of a needle, at the time was regarded as comic." And my argument was, you know, Jesus didn't make any jokes. He never said anything funny. What kind of public speaker was this guy? <laughs> He's supposed to be the best public speaker. In all of human history, he's not there to break the ice, just bread. Yeah. That's it's, right, but apparently the idea... He had an opening act. It's little known, but he had an opening <laughs> act that opened up for him. So. The meek inheriting the earth apparently was supposed to be a gag. I don't know, but uh, these people have uh, all assured me that, yes, certainly in the Old Testament and a couple of Jesus jokes, comedy is there. That's why it's such a popular book. The modern believers will often tell us it's all open to how you interpret it well yeah and it's uh the archaic references and things that you know our grandmothers would laugh at for example you know being black mine would <laughs> think that's a hilarious idea being killed by a nazi that's you know she'd say oh you oh you're always coming up with those crazy ideas but most of the time what she would laugh at doesn't make us laugh because it doesn't bring any surprise with it. and in terms of the old testament this stuff is so archaic, it's ruffling feathers that for us have been either shaven off or settled for hundreds of years. Hmm, that's a very good point. I like the bit about the surprise. Tom and Cecil, that's really the basis of your show because every, every day is a surprise. It's a surprise <laughs> we still do this show. Right, no kidding. 
<laughs> I think one of the best parts, one of the best parts, the stuff that we get that is the best is the stuff that is pushing, I guess, I mean, I guess pushing the envelope, the stuff that, you know, there's stories out there that are so fucking sad that you just, it's impossible to make a joke about. And then you want, you get a joke. Like there was a, a girl in Yemen. We had a, we were talking about a girl in Yemen and we were talking about how she was, uh, she was raped and then killed. Uh, she was five years old and she was married off. So she was married off at five or something like that at a young age and she was raped and she died during the rape. And, uh, and the joke that came out of it was so ta- like oh, tasteless. <laughs> it was just unbelievable tasteless. We're talking about stamping your many passports in virginal blood. And it was, oh. you know, it, it, it was just, it was awful. Child and, bride but, gift yeah, registries. Child bride gift registries. And, you know, I mean, but the comedy came after the outrage. And I think that there's got to mm. be a level of outrage for people who do some crazy shit. Regardless of, I think, their their religious affiliation, because we've talked about people on our show that are atheists that do crazy shit. We talk about people on our show that are just skeptics. Maybe they might be are not skeptics that are just woo believers that might be atheists that are doing crazy shit. And you get the outrage out of there, especially if they're hurting other people. Right. You get that outrage out of the way. And then sometimes the comedy can come along. And we've we've gotten several letters where people say, man, you made me laugh about something I didn't think I could laugh about. That's really great. Hmm. But what that then did was prompt them to think. And then for somebody to put pen to paper or write it an email or a complaint or something like that, they've at least taken the time to think about it. The thing is, a lot of times we see these stories and, and many, many people will just pass, pass, go right past them because it's too much. It's, it's too much for a lot of people to handle. They don't want to be bombarded with, you know, fuck, I'm not going to read this fucking news article about this, you know, five-year-old girl who gets fucking child-brided and raped to death. That's a fucking horrible story. Who wants to read that story? There's no incentive for that click, right? But what comedy can do is it can bring that story to life in a different way. It can it gives you a new way to approach that information, you know, a way that sometimes can make people who would have steered clear from certain pieces of information. It, it allows them into the fold in a way that they can be comfortable with even as you're making them incredibly uncomfortable with the horrible fucking jokes that we'll make about shit. Hmm. Well, comedy gives you distance. That's the thing. Like, right. like Tom's saying is it changes your perspective if only because you can hold this awful thing at a distance where it doesn't immediately emotionally affect you so you can't think. Comedy is a very good way of just getting a different perspective on something that is still recognizably awful, which is why there's a joke about uh, two old guys in Auschwitz, the concentration camp under Nazi Germany, and one night the Germans come in and they grab them and they say, we are taking you out, we are going to shoot you because we are drunk and we are going to shoot you too, and they drag them both out, throw them up against the wall, and one of the old Jewish guys can't, can't keep his peace, he steps forward and says, you filthy Germans, <laughs> I spit on you, I spit on future generations, you Nazis, you Nazis, you are evil, you are evil, you will all burn in hell. And the other Jew quietly says to him, Moshe, Moshe, don't cause trouble. (laughs) (laughs) This is, if you saw it as a drama, you could play this as a drama. And there's there's the surprise at the end. Yeah, we tell it as a joke, but you could even have the same dialogue. Moisha, Moisha, don't cause trouble. You could play that as a dark sure. drama. But it's just a way that helps us deal with Nazi Germany, to put it somewhere in ourselves, in our minds, in our hearts, where we can deal with it. 
And if you think about it, what would drive Nazis and the people who force young women to marry uh, before their time more mad than laughing at them, laughing at their tradition, laughing at their self-importance and laughing at their cruelty. Laughter would drive Hitler out of his brain. It's the last thing he would ever expect. So we can't appeal to the extremists with humour, but we can use it to our advantage for the moderates. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's nothing like laughing at an extremist. They, it's, you know, you laugh at Sarah Palin, she can't cope. You laugh at Santorum, he's got no response. It distances and minimises them. Mm. Uh, comedy can do this, whereas writing a tragedy story about it doesn't really have as much effect. It reminds an audience of the horror, but laughing at it is a very good way. It's a very good way of putting it in its place. This is why I do some skits. So I've usually got a really serious discussion and then I've got the extremist who is invariably Ray Comfort. At the, in, in one of the is skits. that his name? Ray Comfort, yes. So you're not, you're not familiar with my good friend Ray. <laughs> Ray Comfort. Oh, yeah. Oh, Ray Comfort. Oh, what did you... What? <laughs> I was... I was think I don't know. I was thinking of uh, a metaphor of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, that's you know the crazy stuff. It's good to hear the crazy stuff. Like we started off today with Tom and Cecil saying, you know, the crazy people. That's where the fun is. That's where the giggles are. You know, making jokes about people who are largely rational is, is not very interesting unless <laughs> they're wearing a silly hat. Good point. And hats shouldn't be off limits if you're wearing. <laughs> No, that's true. If you're wearing a silly hat, you're fair game. All right, guys. I think we might angle towards finishing up. Is there anything else that you don't feel we covered? I, I just want to say that we just talked uh, for about an hour mm. about comedy, and this was the least funny fucking thing I've ever done in my entire life. <laughs> I, just want, I just want to throw that out there. Yeah, when you go into it expecting high things, and then you end up with you three... <laughs> Big expectations. Yeah, no, I mean, you were you were a fucking loser the moment you pulled that slot and Tom and I came up on the dial. I mean, come on. You shouldn't analyze comedy because it's like analyzing a frog. You just make a mess and the frog dies. But I don't like frogs. They freak me out. So I'm okay with analyzing comedy. Brilliant. All right. Well, uh, Tom and Cecil, where are you from? What do you do? Tell us about your show. So we, uh, we do a show called Cognitive Dissonance. We do it weekly. We're both from Chicago. Uh, we've been doing this show here now where the next episode's 135. So we've been doing it for a couple years now. And, uh, and it's fun. It, you know, we, we try to have fun. We, one of the things we do is, is make sure that people come, they listen, they have fun, they laugh. And, uh, and all the information stuff, that's secondary. There's a lot of other great podcasts out there that'll cover skeptical issues and apologetics and all that stuff. We just talk about people and make, make each other laugh by telling dick jokes. So that's really the entirety of the show. And we have a great time doing it, and uh, and it's been a lot of fun. Polar opposite to this show. Thank you. And, uh, <laughs> and you can find it at DissonancePod.com. Ah, DissonancePod.com. Yes. Internet. A fine website. It's the first time I've heard that dicks can be funny. I'm looking that up. <laughs> Tim, tell us about your project. Oh, at the moment I'm uh, doing a book tour. I wrote a book uh, which was a fairly rememoir. And it's uh, about, you know, my life. It's called Carry a Big Stick because I carry a big stick mainly for self-defense. And it's, uh, you know, it's out there now. You know, it's Carry a Big Stick by Tim Ferguson. Hmm. It's, it's on the shelves. Oh, so my it's shelves it's in the bookstores? Can we get it online? 
Oh, you can get it online, get it bookstores, iTunes. You know, it's it's frightfully modern, but it's a bestseller in Australia. It's good to make sure you add that distinction. How many copies do you have to sell to be a bestseller in Australia? Oh, you've got to sell eight, and they can't be to your mother. (laughs) (laughs) I'll keep that in mind for when I publish my book. Yeah. All right, gentlemen, thank you very much for coming on the show, and I'll speak to you on the Twitter thing. Thanks a lot, guys. Take care. Thanks, guys. Great to talk to you. the gay away hotline confidentiality guaranteed you want to poke it we'll make you stroke it you're right love my name's like david sylvester and are you sure confidentiality is guaranteed like it's absolutely guaranteed well the lord can hear us when you say lord do you mean like lord of a dance (laughs) (laughs) no no i mean the Lord, you know, Jesus Christ Almighty. How can I help you? What's happened, right, is recently I've been telling loads of people that gay people like cause weather. I'm a little bit gay myself. I don't know if you can tell. You sound so butch. Thank you, because I really like crochet. I'm trying to do more things to get a bit more butch. So when I tell people about the weather, they won't think I'm being like, I think it's called homophobic, you know. I- I know. Uh, let me just ask you a question. Um, when you hear Liza Minnelli in Barbara Streisand, do you, do you like it? Do you get a funny feeling? I get up and dance. What does that mean? Well, after my assessment, you're definitely gay. We offer three packages. Oh, um, I love a package. No, no, not that kind of package. We have three packages. We have the gay comfort, and that's 1,000 shekels. The deluxe comfort... 5,000 shekels, but what we really recommend so that, you know, you don't even get a tiny little wang jolt when you see Kirk Cameron's arse, we recommend the luminescent comfort. That is the real deal, and that is 25,000 shekels, but we do take credit card. So what's the difference between, like, your luminescent package and, you know, like, your gay comfort? No, Mr. Sylvester, once you have the luminescent comfort, it will be entirely heterosexual set. You'll be completely straight. It's guaranteed. So we're talking, like, women. Is that what I'll go on to? Yeah. Do you know which one you're going to go for? I'll probably go for, like, the luminescent ones. Excellent choice. Let's just take some payment details. Right, so shall we book you a time then, um, Mr. Sylvester? That sounds lovely, like. Well, I've got an opening right here for you. I'll cancel me Zumba. I really look forward to seeing you, Mr. Sylvester. Don't have any gay sex. Hello, you must be Mr. Sylvester. That's me, I'm David Sylvester. You must be, uh, Raylene. Yes, hi, Raylene. Hi. Right, if we just go in, you know, right through onto uh, Ray's orifice, I mean office. Who's Ray, anyway? Ray, you know Ray Comfort. He's the one who's going to pray the gay away. Oh, just follow me, Mr. Sylvester. Ah, Raylene, what are you doing here? Hi, Ray. So nice to see you, as always. Mm. Um... Ray, this is Mr. Sylvester. He's bought the luminescent yeah. comfort package.
package um, to pray the gay away. Oh, a paying customer. Right. Uh, yes, Mr. Sylvester, uh, pull up a chair. Just a couple of quick uh, questions first. What have been the symptoms so far? I'm a really big fan of, like, soft furnishings and stuff like that. I really like, like, decorative ornaments. Ah, right. Nice. Well, you've, you've selected the correct passi- uh, package. Raylene, <laughs> could you... <laughs> it's quite simple. Uh, we're going to rectifi- uh, rectify you in such a way that you'll never have... Just look, Raylene, I'm going to have to ask you to leave if you don't just uh, treat this with the seriousness and the dedication it deserves. I'm sorry. Raylene, could you please just uh, Velcro Mr. Sylvester into this chair? Yeah, come with me, Mr. Sylvester. Let's get you into your onesie and Velcro you down. All right, uh, Raylene, have you got the Holy Bible? I have. Here it is, Ray. Righty-o. Now, we need to do a little bit of that speaking in tongues. Oh, you mean... All the single ladies. All the single ladies. How are you feeling now? To be honest, I'm just thinking, if they're single, that's fine. I'd still rather go with the fellas. Right, I'd okay. I them ring on me, do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Raylene. <laughs> we need to crank it up a notch. Uh, what do you suggest? Have you got any ABBA? Yeah, I've, I've got some ABBA. Waterloo! Oh, yes. Well, couldn't escape if I wanted to. <laughs> This is too much. Pray with me here. Sorry, I got out of character. <laughs> <laughs> and how are you feeling now, Mr. Sylvester? Not much has happened since the last attempt. All that's happened is you've both just had a giggle and then just asked me how I feel. I feel about the same, really. Right, so you're not getting your money's worth quite yet. I think it's time to bring out a secret weapon. If these songs haven't worked so far, place your hand here on this Bible. Ready? We're going to give him the George Michael. Alrighty. Because you've got to have and lag time. What are your feelings on that one, sir? I think I'd quite like to go and uh, see a game of soccer. Oh, right. Right. It's working. Round of applause, round of applause. Okay, undo the Velcro. Right, we're very successful now. We're not feeling any homosexual tendencies at all. Now, to consummate the practice... Mrs. Sylvester, will you follow me to the comfort boudoir? You two, just on the bed there? Mm-hmm. Are you going to what, Ray? Well, I need to witness the conversion. Hmm... Uh, just feel free to nude up. You don't have to be rich to be my girl. You don't <laughs> have to be cool to rule my world. Ain't no particular lyrics. Oh, Mr. Sylvester, it, I think it's working. I just want your kiss. Mr. Comfort, I'm not going down there without the aid of a miner's lamp and a canary. <laughs> She just wants your extra time. Ray, Ray! Oh, yes, yes? Ray, I've got some terrible news. Mr. Sylvester, the package didn't work. The luminescent uh, comfort package... He's still gay. Well, hang on, hang on. That's, That's not so much an issue because we don't offer a refund policy. Yes, Ray, but that's not the point. Never mind the 25,000 shekels. He's infiltrated living waters to steal the eight horsepower solid gold butt plug. Oh, n- oh this is ridiculous.
We never know. <laughs> right. I'm trying to copy your fucking accent. <laughs> right, okay, hang on a minute. Is your luminescent package, does that mean you can just give a blowy in the dark? No, 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 no. <laughs> it just depends on the woman you go for. I mean, I wouldn't go for someone that, you know, it feels like you're chucking your luggage down the M25 <laughs> for your first experience. <laughs> <laughs> maybe uh, maybe just book him in and say you can cut we've got an opening right now <laughs> do i put my penis in it No, Hello. deep. No. Deepak's got I his hands full. Hello, <laughs> I have come to pray the quantum gay away. Look, D- Deepak, just pi- pipe down. Pi- <laughs> Raylene, I need you to uh, strap. <laughs> Because you've got to have faith, faith, faith. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Am I seeing you again? Yes. <laughs> Honestly, this is so humiliating. I'm a professional. I have a registered profession. For f- and he's now taken the eight. Oh, fuck. I always struggle with the butt plug. No, don't. Actually, that's <laughs> I mean, I struggle to say the butt plug. Not, not with the butt plug. In my case, though, it'd be like the fist. <laughs> Fists of fury. Um, <laughs> we... It would be like a clown car. <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure you want it for all three scenes? Is that the point, really? And that's what yeah. I'm getting at. <laughs> <laughs> Accents don't really stick around here, so... <laughs> So ring, ring. (laughs) Come on. How many times have we done this? Okay, to be honest, I was expecting a better sound effect. (laughs) That happens post-production. Hello, pray the Galeway, Raylene speaking, confidentiality guaranteed. You want to poke it, but we'll get you to stroke it. <laughs> right, that was brilliant. But can you? Oh, there's only one thing I want you to put in there, exactly as what? it was. But living waters. Answer the phone as living waters. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Three, two, one. Ring, ring. <laughs>